Everyone, hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I am sitting here with Greg Fitzsimmons, favorite return guest who's now been on so many times. I don't even know how I'm going to title this. You and I, Greg, kind of do the same title because you can't have the same title in iTunes or it can mess things up, I right. think. So it's got to be like the return of or so and so returns or like so and so returns again. I might just have to do the Nerdist thing and just start numbering them. I just started numbering about six weeks ago because of that exact thing. Right. You know, somebody like you, who's probably been on five, six times, seven times. I think just two, but... No, that's not true. I think I've only... Yeah, you've done mine, but I think you owe me like five appearances. Are you kidding me? I think I've only been on twice. No, I don't think that's possible. Well, we'll find out. crazy. I will find out. Please find out. But I guarantee you it's five. Okay. I don't... I could be wrong. I really don't think so, though. Let's make a bet. Uh, you win a Fitzdog Radio mug if it's less than five. Okay. And if it's more than five or more, what do I get? And Allison Rosen is your new best friend pin, lapel pin. Are you shitting? You don't have cups or T-shirts? Oh, I have T-shirts. I can give you a T-shirt. Give me a T-shirt. All right. You got a T-shirt. All right. The lapel pins are hot, though. They're not I even don't wear for lapels. sale yet. Okay. You can have a T-shirt. All right. All right. Does deal. it have lapels on it? No, no but I, I mean, could it's, you could stick a pin in I could give you both. Stick a pin in it. Okay, it's so... the last thing you want to hear in Hollywood. <laughs> Every time a project stalls out, they go, we're going to stick a pin in it. <laughs> yeah, this lapel pin could be used to crush all your dreams. Right. Okay, so let, let me just um, reiterate that for people who didn't catch it, which is me. If I've been on under five times, I get a Fitz dog mug. Yes. And if you... Is it a good mug? They're beautiful. Okay. People love them. Can't wait. And if I... Sounded been, like Donald Trump there. A lot of people love them. <laughs> Are they tremendous mugs? It's tremendous mugs. If I've been on over five times, you get a t-shirt. Yes. And what if I've been on exactly five times? No, five and over, I win. Okay. Yeah. If it's less than five, you win. Because you said two. I can't wait to drink out of my tremendous <laughs> mug. I can't believe I didn't give you one when we did the show. I always give the guest a mug. Oh, You didn't really? get the Fitzdog Radio mug? Well... I would say things are pointing right in my direction now yeah. because you don't even remember that you didn't give me a mug. Mm. Where where do you keep the mugs? Well, when people come in to do the show, That's I hand serious? them a mug. No, I keep them in my garage. I've never done... Right, but do you record the show in your garage? No, at the Sirius studio. Well, sometimes. Okay. So, so, so you bring the mugs the with Siri- you. I'm right. just tracing right, your right, steps. Right. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yep, no mug. I am wow. mugless. Mugless. Neither of the two times I was on did I mm. receive a mug. Wow. Okay, so lots to get to. Lots to get to. But I just want to address the frequency of your appearances on here. I want to be transparent with the audience. Yeah. I hope you're comfortable with this. This grew in addition to me loving you to death, even though I didn't get a mug and I've only been on twice. Um, I am trying to convince you to do a podcast with me, or at least I was. However, now that I'm pregnant i'm not even sure i want to undertake a huge new commitment or project yeah but prior to that i was trying to talk you into doing a podcast with me and your suggestion was like let's just do each other's podcasts a lot right because you've only been on twice and you need to catch up but like let's see what grows out of that yes so i thought that was an amazing idea yes uh and i think that my hope at the time was like i will wear you down until you admit that we should do a podcast together i think it's a fantastic idea 
you know, and I, there's nothing I enjoy. I don't know that there's, you know, there's two or three podcasts that I just come on to and I just feel like it's a gain of energy. Like, you mm. know how you leave an interview and sometimes you're depleted? Yes. And sometimes you have more energy? Yes. I come out of here buzzing. I really enjoy it and I feel like you're a great combination of somebody who does their homework. I said to you, you got all these highlighted printed sheets out and notebooks and pens and um but then at the same time you go wherever the conversation goes very uh and you support it you don't just follow it you you actually illuminate it and and you know and then you manage to bring it back to the narrative that you sort of had for the interview. Well, thank you so much. I would say that you actually do the exact same. And I was just listening to your Fitzdog radio interview with Marin. This is all, this is like, or this is the, the, the animal that eats its own tail now. Right. Because when I did your podcast for the second time, um, you and I were talking about, and I kind, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like it was a little bit sour grapes. It was like you and I both were kind of patting ourselves on the back for like, we're both immensely talented interviewers and we have great guests. Why are we not lauded in the same way that Mark Marin is? Because he's yeah. like the guy. He's considered right. the guy. I'm not sure that's exactly what the conversation was, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was that a bit. Um, so then a while later, I heard that Marin was on your podcast and referenced that conversation. Yes. Um, but that it was all good and all nice. And I hadn't listened to it until today. And I did listen to it. It, it was interesting. There, He did mention my name, but there wasn't a lot of talk of my side of the conversation. And right. maybe I didn't say that much. I don't know. But he did, a t- in a fun, easy, gentle way, like put the screws to you a little bit. Were you Were you uncomfortable? In that conversation? No, I mean, first of all, when you have Marin on, you expect, if not hope for, you know, Discomfort. an uncomfortable confrontation. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's 101. And he comes on and uh, he basically said that what you said, that he had heard it. So mm-hmm. he went and listened. Right. Because he didn't want to come in loaded for bear if it wasn't accurate. Right. And so he said that his interpretation of what I said was that he is... Uh, he is branding himself or he's out trying to market himself a certain way. Right. As opposed to him feeling that it is, you know, it's the genuine him. Organic, yeah. Yeah. And um, and I didn't go back and listen to it, but I remember it pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. And I remember well, at it the being... the time, you claimed that you... On the interview, you're like, oh, really? I don't... Like, you barely remembered the conversation. Well, he brought, he brought it back to me when yeah. he said that. Yeah, no, it's true. I didn't remember it. And then... Uh, and then I started like piecing it together, and I remember it was actually kind of a, uh, a compliment. I think I was saying, this is a guy that understands how to make a logo, yes. how to stay on message, yeah. who how knows his audience. And so, uh, yeah, so I don't think it had any teeth. I think he was bringing it up just, you know, to bring it up, mm-hmm. which I, I was, you know, I'm always flattered. I'm like, good, you're listening to my podcast. Right. It was a... But- what I was struck by when I was listening to it was just how, first of all, it was so interesting, but also like you really are, just to go back to what we're saying, you really are a solid, good interviewer who kind of, you know, redirects when needed, but lets the other person talk. Mm. Yeah, I think it's um, it's something that I guess comes from what kind of a conversationalist you are, mm-hmm. you know, and I think as a stand-up, we tend to just 
railroad the conversation. <laughs> and, and I think out of that self-consciousness, I make a real effort to get out of the way and go where, you know, where the other person wants to go because there's something there. Right. You know? So let's go back to you and me. Um, I feel like we have really good chemistry, but then it occurred to me, you're regarded as a wonder. No one uses the word wonderful. I don't know why I used it as a great, wonderful, lovely guest. Like you're regarded as a really good podcast guest. So then I'm like, maybe you have great chemistry with everyone. I don't know, but you, with you, it's definitely very special. I, I really regard you as like, um, somebody who makes it so effortless. And I think we have very similar, uh, not similar points of view in the sense that we're like down the line, agree with everything. The same. Right. I think we actually have us. I think we have a similar way of engaging, but I think we have differences of opinion, which gives it something yes. to go back and forth with. Because you're pervier than I am. Yes. But I'm amused by it. Right. And a little afraid, but not really. Just the right level. Right. Okay. So, like I, I, I keep saying so much to get into because there is so much to get into. Mm. But let's just talk about this. You mentioned right before we started that you just had a colonoscopy yesterday. Yes. I would like to know what that was like. And I would also like to know what dr- what the drugs they use are because throughout the course of IVF, uh, I have become such a fan of Versed. And I think a colonoscopy is done under Versed. Do you know? No, I was given the uh, Michael Jackson drug. Oh, propofol. The propofol. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. You know, it's really weird. Well, let me tell, I'll tell you the the, the weird thing about it is I, I'm laying there and they put the IV in and I was told I was going to get a really nice high out of it. That's and, the, the Versed that usually they give you before propofol. Well, they didn't give me that. And, uh, and you know, I don't drink anymore. Right. And I was very excited to get high. Mm-hmm. And so I'm laying there and they put it in and then they, I go, is this going to make me feel high? And she goes, no, you're just going to feel sleep and I'm gone. And then I woke up and I was, I go, Hey, you didn't give me enough. I'm not, I didn't go out. She goes, we're done. We did it. I was like, they robbed you of you your high. Me? <laughs> I mean, there's no sense of time on propofol. Right. No, you're just, it's like they turned your light out and then turned it back on. Right. And, uh, and there was not a big hangover. I mean, I got up, I, ha- I went out and had a grand slam breakfast afterwards, <laughs> went back to the house, threw, threw a move on the old lady, got shot down. And then, uh, now shot down for your sake, like you're no, not up to it or, oh, she just no, wasn't into it. Okay. She wasn't into it. So, um, and but I stayed awake all day. I watched. Uh, I watched, just watched a lot of TV. I was mm-hmm. definitely groggy, but I wasn't like tired enough to go to sleep. And then uh, went to sleep last night around ten. Woke up this morning at ten. Slept for twelve hours. Right. But it was not. Um, some people get nauseous from mm-hmm. from propofol. Yeah, they have anesthesia reactions. Yeah. So I was I was fine with that. But the best part is, you know, well, first of all, you got to do the cleanse. So you go. You haven't had one yet. No, I, I thankfully am not of that age yet. Right. I don't well, I don't know what age do they recommend them for? 50. What do you yeah. like 42? I'm I'm 41. Do right. I look 42? <laughs> no. And I'm on the the younger side of 41. My birthday was in May. I'm freshly I'm practically 31. I just ruined the whole interview. <laughs> this we're, you, we're you're done. going to stay in your mind the <laughs> entire time. <laughs> well, um, whatever. So, uh so I do the cleanse and I don't eat for 24 hours, and then you drink the drinks, and then you, you like spend- By cleanse, you mean laxatives, right? Yeah, it's a magnesium something. Yeah. And you slam like three full bottles every two hours Ugh. after after fasting all day. 
and then you just you keep racing to the toilet, which it's going to sound weird, but I enjoy it. I love taking a shit. And are these good quality shits? Though? No, these are like diuretic blasting. Yeah. You got a lot of Lysol wipes involved. Ugh. Yeah, it's bad. Cramps? Crampy Not shits? cramps, but like uh, like a gurgling in your stomach. Okay. And then as soon as you feel the gurgle, you know to clamp your ass cheeks hard <laughs> and get up on your feet and waddle like a penguin. And then you, you're dropping your pants before you even right. hit the toilet. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And then you, and then, uh, and I went through. I went out and I bought the magnesium at the CVS mm-hmm. with uh, a roll of toilet paper. Just one, I wa- no, two, but I wanted the fluffiest, high end. Yeah, I was going to say, don't you have like a papers. real stinging ring by the end? It was, yeah, it was a stinging ring, and a slight roid popped its head out. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, and so, um, so I do that. I get it all out, and then we go in there. And you put on the robe with the slit in the back, so mm. your ass is hanging out. And they bring you in the room. And the doctor's assistant, I walk in and she goes, Greg Fitzsimmons. <laughs> oh, no. I'm a huge fan of yours. Are you serious? I swear to God. Oh, and awful. I was like, are you kidding me? And so, uh, you know, she's asking me about uh, what happened to Chelsea lately and blah, blah, blah. And I, I go, are you going to see? She goes, I see it all the time. So anyway, she's coming to my show tomorrow night are you serious i put her on the guest list for the comedy store oh, tomorrow night i thought you meant on your podcast okay no yeah. she's coming on my show but i will be bringing her on stage to interview <laughs> about my ass oh you should absolutely that's good yeah well so how'd it turn out everything fine everything's fine it was uh you know clear they called me today to check on me see if i was okay um you know i guess i've done it not only have i done the colonoscopy but as a comedian i've done my first bit about the colonoscopy entering the inner sanctum of hack right yeah uh sorry i agreed so quickly with you um i but you're interviewing her about your butt i feel like you're bringing your own flavor to it right now this is this is going way deeper i mean i think that that's true of stand-up in general is like there's no topic that is untouchable because it's tired it's like right no it's a human being having their take on something it's always going to be different do you think there's fresh airplane comedy yes absolutely especially with with 9-11 and all the all the different security measures and seats getting small i think mm-hmm. i think there's a lot too i'm trying to think if i have any airplane jokes um by the joke about you know i flew i fly first class and uh you know it's, I, I'm tired. I don't want to apologize about it. I work hard and I go, fuck yourself. I fly first class. Mm-hmm. So I go back to coach in the middle of flight and I farted. And, <laughs> and it wasn't to be mean. It was just there's so few people up front, they would know it was me. <laughs> and I didn't just go back and, you know, go to row 14 and rip it. I just, little at 14, little at 25, <laughs> kind of crop dusted around and then head back up front. Welcome back, Greg. Good to be back. Little gamey back in the cheap seats. <laughs> So that's, you know, yeah. that's a fart joke and an airplane right. joke together, but I'm proud of it. I, I enjoyed it. All right, good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Thank you. Um, okay, so the next time you have to have a colonoscopy, and when yeah. is the next time? 60? I don't know. Eight, ten years? Here's yeah. my recommendation if you want the Versed, which is, I thought it was standard to give that before a procedure. However, the last time I had, um, I had some 
polyps removed from my uterus for the second time. And I was like, the only upside of this whole thing is this drug. And then I found out they weren't going to give it to me. And then I talked them into it. And here's how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) You can just ask for it by name. um, But what I I would recommend, and I, it's maybe it's not good for me to teach people how to gain the system, but what you say is like, I get, I'm really, I'm feeling kind of anxious right now. I get really anxious before procedures. Would it be possible to get some Versed? Yeah. And, then, and that's what it's for, to calm you down. So you got to tell them you're feeling anxious. Here's my question. Okay. I thought that propofol got you high. So on the form, you you can request propofol, but they tell you it's not covered. It's an extra 200 bucks. Here's how desperate I am to get high. I'm like, Fuck yeah, two hundred bucks to get high. I used to spend three fifty on an eight ball of coke, so I did it and I didn't feel high. Was it extra to get the uh, Versailles? Versed. Versed. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I my insurance covered it, but I did have to pay something to the anesthesiologist. Well, that's you'd have to do that anyway. Yeah. So no, I don't I think it, I don't okay. think they charge me extra. Right. Well, see, this is interesting. I don't want you to kick yourself, but if you hadn't chosen propofol, I wonder what they would have used. Possibly Versed. Like something Does this ring a bell the idea that um you're very out of it but you're still awake? Like, is there an no. option where they do it like that? No. No, okay. I went that from I went from clear no, to no. out. Right. I'm not, I know, I know in your experience you were just on and then off. What I'm saying is did you I think if you hadn't chosen propofol I wonder if they would have given you something where you're out of it but awake. Yeah. Oh yeah, no you can do that. That's for yes. said. Okay. I believe. I don't want to lead people astray with their colonoscopies, but I believe that's what you wanted. So you paid to not get the experience that you would have liked. Jesus. Get another one. Come up with a reason. Or maybe just spend 10 bucks and get a bag of weed. Yeah, I don't know if it's as good. No, I'm sure it's not. Weed, weed makes me paranoid. Yeah. Second guessing every decision of my life. So wait, you quit drinking when you were, y- how young? 24? No, 25. So the Coke days were prior to 25? Well, I started, very, I was like 13. I did Coke when I was like 15. Wow. And we did it, I did it, you know, for a good 10 years drinking. and But I wasn't like sucking dick for Coke money. Mm-hmm. And I was a drunk, but... Would, and you wouldn't have. And I would drink a lot, but like, you know, <laughs> a couple DUIs, in jail three times for fighting. You know, the whole right. yeah, range of, of bad behavior. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't losing jobs. I wasn't killing anybody. But I felt like it was time, and, and I'm glad I did. I wouldn't have uh, – I don't think I'd have the balance in my life that I have if I was still doing all that stuff. Right. That makes perfect sense. But I do honestly look forward to getting to the age where I can start having a highball before dinner and maybe a little wine at dinner and, you know. when What is that age for well, you? Well, once the kids are, like, out of college and I feel like, all right, here's what I have in the bank. Let me divide that by how many years I think I have left and say – all right, I can breathe mm-hmm. and have a drink. Like, I won't lose everything. Right. So that's the fear is that if you, and I'm not encouraging you because um, I also don't drink. But the, so the fear would be that you would fuck your life up. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think that would really happen? I think I would be so afraid it was happening that it would make me tense and anxious and guilty. I have a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. And because my father was an alcoholic and I know how it affected me, I, like last night I watched a documentary, this amazing documentary about Bob Marley on Netflix. 
and I watched it with my daughter, and at the end of it, she goes, "Wow, he was really a bad man." Hmm. And I and meanwhile, they had shown him like coming back to Jamaica during during civil war and basically reuniting the country right. and like helping Zimbabwe uh, in their revolution. Like he did amazing things on top of preaching, you know, Jah love and all that stuff. But he was not a good father. He was tough on his kids. And he cheated on his wife openly. And and I said, what? I, that was interesting to me that she had that take because I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, Albert Einstein was this amazing guy. Ignored his kid, like literally sent There's his so kids back stories. to Vienna to, or from Vienna back to Germany because he didn't want to see them. And he didn't for his whole life. Right. And then you hear about John Lennon, you know, cheating on his wife. And, um, you know, the, and you and really brings up a very deep question of whether or not if your actions better humankind, does that excuse you being a bad parent and, and a bad friend and a bad husband and all that stuff? I Yeah, and I think historically it always did, but I don't think so. But ha, you know what? Thank you for whoever we're talking to. Like, thanks for your contributions to society. That's wonderful. I'm glad. But you are also a dick. Yeah, when you saw his daughter interviewed, she's a bitter, she's a angry person about it. Yeah. You see how damaged she is. And, you know, Part of it is Jamaican culture. It's a very, very tough culture. He grew up, they showed the tin shack he grew up in. I mean, it was bad. So you just, you know, I guess getting back to the point, I feel like my my biggest challenge in my life is to, is to not have my family feel that way. And I know I've made decisions career-wise and partying-wise and not cheating on my wife-wise that have put that in the front. And, um, you know, sometimes I, th- I look back and I think, was I capable of more? You know, what if I had just gone for it career wise, taken creative risks, um, you know, been more honest because I don't there's things I don't talk about because I think it would embarrass them. Mm-hmm. And and so you but I don't look back on it like like with regret. I just think what if sometimes. Right. Yeah, I have things like that, too, where. Just specifically regarding the like things you don't talk about or the people in your life that you don't talk about. I envy the people who are like, I just say whatever I want to say. Yeah. There's such freedom in that. But right. it would just, in my life, it would cause a cascade of shit. Well, you have guilt and shame like I do. Yes. So people like us can't do that. No, if I feel like I hurt someone, I feel terrible. Right. When it's you like, drink, you're always hurting people. Yeah. For me, I could go drink right now and and I just wouldn't enjoy it hmm. because I don't think I could drink. I think that I, I drank like someone who wanted to escape their problems. And now yeah. I would just be drunk and have all my, I would drink in a sober manner now. Right. And they, I wouldn't enjoy that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think life is difficult when you're operating in full control. Yes. <laughs> and then when you make yourself dumber on purpose, it's just, well, that doesn't make any sense. Right. It's one thing. If you're somebody and it relaxes you, that's great. I was but never But you're paying a price for that. Yeah. It never relaxed. For me, it was always like I just flipped a switch and now I'm going to get as fucked up as possible, relinquish judgment and control and responsibility for my life and see where I end up in the morning. Yeah. Like I'm lucky that nothing really bad happened to me. As but far that, as you know. As far as I know. But that was the fun of it. Yeah. It was never like I enjoy wine with dinner. I didn't enjoy wine with dinner. I enjoyed getting super fucked up. Right. 
as and also I was just thinking about do you watch Mr. Robot? No. Um, okay, so in last night's episode, there was a character who was pretty drunk, and it reminded me of what my friend Jr. used to tell me, which is, "You're the weak gazelle right now." Like if, <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of goes into a news story that I may or may not want to bring up. Um, so that was a a real weird tease, since I'm unsure whether we're headed in that direction or not. But anyway, um, I'll just say what it is: the Stanford banning hard alcohol. Two, do you know about this? No. Okay, so you know about Brock Turner, right? Yes. Um, so two months after the whole Brock Turner sentencing, Stanford has now banned hard alcohol, and people are kind of up in arms over this. I don't they, disagree with that. You don't disagree? Okay, no. you know what? Let's just get into it now. Um, theme song. Is this Chinese news? It's the news with Allison. Okay, so Stanford has banned hard alcohol two months after the Brock Turner sentencing. Uh, However, they claim that the policy update wasn't related to the Turner case and they attributed it to the general concern about alcohol. But university students can still drink beer and wine at events, but will no longer be permitted to have hard alcohol that has more than 20% alcohol by volume or 40 proof. The new policy also limits the size of bottles of hard alcohol they're allowed to keep in their dorms or common areas to under 750 uh, milliliters. And they say that this is a targeted approach that limits high-risk behavior. So people are kind of up in arms, though, because they're they're saying that it, two things, that it is a blame-the-victim mentality. Like the, the problem with the whole Brock Turner situation was that she was drunk, also, or the problem was that he was drunk, and it's putting the blame in the wrong place. Like it's... Uh, and by the way, everyone who's saying this is ignoring the fact that Stanford's like, this doesn't have to do with Brock Turner. It probably does have to do with Brock yeah. Turner. And I almost tweeted something and then I'm like, nah, it's off brand. But <laughs> I almost tweeted something about like <laughs> suggesting. Beginning like Mark Maron. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Suggesting that normal guys after a few drinks become rapey. Because I don't think that's true. At the same... Sure it is. Okay. You think so? Without a doubt. <sighs> so then I went back and forth though and I'm like, however, almost all fucked up situations like this do involve alcohol and all my fucked up situations involved alcohol so i don't know okay so you think that wait so what do you think well i have a daughter so i'm sure that's influencing me you know she's 13 and she's gonna be going to college and it is my worst nightmare that she drinks hard alcohol and passes out and something happens to her yeah and i don't think that would happen with beer i don't think that would happen with pot wine but hard alcohol is like taking a hit of something Mm -hmm. like a hit of a drug because it happens and then there's a period of time where you think you're fine, and then it fucking hits you like a wall. Right. And, you know, you, you end up doing three or four shots in a row without them hitting you, and then all of a sudden you're throwing up, and you're in the woods, and who knows? So I, I believe both sides of it. I believe that women fuck the whole, you know, PC thing of like, oh, well, you're, you're you, you, this, this, you know, giving, giving it a context of somebody being a victim. That's all bullshit. The bottom line is if there's hard alcohol around, girls are going to drink it more. Guys get rapey when they're drunk, period. I think if you look at the stats- You think all guys get rapey? No, but I think that the ones that have a tendency towards it, their, their, their so inhibitions go down. You think and they're, they're rapists- get rapey when they drunk. get more aggressive how many fights happen on booze? right i know i mean if you look at the stats on uh, rapists 
I think most of them have alcohol in their system when it happens. See, I want to say there's a difference between a guy who respects women and a rapist and a guy who respects women no matter how much he drinks. Actually, maybe I can't say that. The guy who respects women no matter how much he drinks is never going to rape a woman and a rapist is going to. But you know what? There's probably like a spectrum. I was just going to say rapist is a, uh, it's an umbrella term. You yeah. know, you've got, especially when you talk about uh, the politics of campus rape, right. where it's like, you know, literally they say now, I don't know if it's all colleges, but some colleges, if a woman is drunk and you have sex with her, that's rape. I have a, st- you know, I never, I don't think I've ever talked about this story. I've written about it. Um, but, the thing that like made me stop dating for four years and really stop drinking, I had already quit drinking. And then there was this guy and um, we sort of worked in the same industry and maybe he could help my career. Although in retrospect, he absolutely could not. Mark Maron? No, <laughs> this was way, way before podcasting. Um, this is television stuff. And he was sort of show- sort of showing an inappropriate interest in me and like the insanity of me to think like, oh, going out with him and getting drunk with him is the right move as opposed to like going out with him and getting drunk with him could have a deleterious effect right. on my career. But it was just I was justifying the fact that I was kind of into him. I was into the attention he was paying. Yeah. Me. So anyway, got drunk uh, and he came back to my apartment. I absolutely did not want to sleep with him. But you brought him back to your apartment after a night of drinking knowing that he was into you. We had already started making out of the bar. Oh, yeah. wow. I, but I, I did not want to sleep with him. Okay. I did not want to sleep with him. And then it's like, my memory is like flashes. Like I remember us sitting here. I came to and he was inside me. No. Yeah. But here into just. Have to, you talked about this on the podcast? Before? No, I never have. It's like this weird eddy of my life that, um, I, I don't, it was, I don't, like, it was so, I was so upset with myself for it. And I've talked to my husband about it, and he's kind of like, it's like, small r, I don't even know that he's used the word rape, but like it was, I definitely didn't, I was in no state to consent. Right. At the same time, just today, I was, because I was thinking about it in light of this story, and I was thinking like, did I let him know I didn't want to sleep with him? Right. Did I ever say that? And in this part is makes it more complicated. Like I remember it felt good. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what the fuck happened that night. I just know that I was in and out of consciousness and when I woke up in the morning, I was like, "Oh no." And I felt like I'd broken a law. Um he was not single. That's the part that's like, oh my God, like I crossed a line that is so, wow. that I never wanted. I want, I was like flirting with the line and I don't, I don't feel like that's okay either. So you don't remember the chronology of like no. getting undressed. Like you don't know no, if you lost no. I don't even know if I was undressed. So you like, think you might've passed out and then he took your pants off. I don't, I just really don't think, well, I've never even tried to put it together like that. I, I don't want to think that that's what happened. I don't remember. I remember making out in the bar. I remember. I remember making out in the stairwell, and him saying, "Like, let me in or send me home," you know. And I was like, maybe I was like, okay, let's just just for a little while, you know. Yeah. And 
I don't remember making out in my in the bedroom. I don't remember making out in the apartment. I don't remember anything in the apartment. I don't have the I have the lights turned off. I don't, but I just know kind of waking up and it was happening. Um, I think the the key moment to me is that you lost consciousness. I mean, yeah. to me, if I was with a woman and she lost consciousness, is it's time there, to leave. Is there any way? you wouldn't have noticed that like what if i don't but i don't remember this what what i mean maybe i, think I was you would notice that. is there any way i was awake we were making out and then yeah i don't know like it's funny i've it's so it's funny you say that because i've done some thinking about it but i never thought about the chronology for him like what really happened? Well, is there a point of no return? In other words, for him, like this woman has made out with me, invited me back, and now we're we're having sex, and it's and it's you know consensual, right. even if she loses consciousness. But that's where I have a problem with it. Like I don't think so because yeah. that that's what the Brock Turner Turner Brock Turner yeah. Brock Turner case she was, was passed out, but right. she had fooled around with him already, mm. and who knows if he, when she was in that alley that they had not started fooling around to another level when she lost consciousness so it's very similar to your situation hmm with the i didn't realize add to it he was a boss of yours or somebody who could help you yeah and was married i mean this brock turner guy was a sympathetic character in the sense that oh i don't was, find that to be the case well i mean by the way <laughs> no i'm saying <laughs> that he was sympathetic to, to the point where he was given a light sentence right. by the fact that he was a varsity athlete and he was young and blah, yeah. blah, blah. He wasn't a skeevy, mentoring, married guy. Right. That right. would have presented worse at a case. At a, at a, at a, I don't mean morally it's any better at yeah. all. I'm just saying the way I, the you spin it. I got from the Brock Turner thing was that he knew what he was doing was wrong. You don't think so? I don't think you cannot know it's wrong if a woman loses right. consciousness. I right. mean, believe me, in college I was with like, girls he, that like yeah. got like pass were passing out and it was like game over. Like how do you even have an erection at that point? Right. Right. That's sick. And that's what I mean by when you're drunk, your inhibitions change. Mm-hmm. Because you have to understand a man is raised in this society to be lustful, to be conquering, to try to build up your numbers, to brag to your friends. And so there's all this stuff that you're sublimating because you are a decent person. Right. But there's this like rapist inside of you. Inside all men, you think? I think to some degree, every man has an id that wants to fuck. And you, based on... How you're raised, but I think also your DNA. I think I just think that some people are born to not have guilt, not have shame, not you know, right. and to be able to allow themselves to do these things. But whatever the combination is, you know, this is, um, you know, a violation that is universal. Passing out is just that's rape. That's it. Yeah. No in and out. So that so that's a situation where a, a fucked up situation that I haven't exactly like filed appropriately in my head is except that I know that I felt immense I didn't feel anger at him I felt immense guilt and anger at myself um and I'm not saying that's appropriate either but had alcohol not been involved that wouldn't have happened Well do you think that's your own I mean that's the definition of rape culture isn't it that the victim doesn't get angry. Yeah. 
I guess. As I, the perpetrator? I'm not even... I mean, I, I get what you're hesitating that you don't know that it... I don't know that I... I don't know that I said no, except that I hadn't... It's funny. I didn't say he was married, but you did. So, yes, he No, was. you did. I did. I yeah. said he wasn't single. That could mean he oh, had a girlfriend. But okay. who cares, though? He was married, which was like a line I'd never wanted to cross. And, um, and but by the way, he seemed super comfortable with that line crossing. So I feel like I, there's no way I was the first one. I think one. you should say his name right now. No, I, I don't. Ugh. I would call his wife. Fuck that guy. Because you know what? He's been sitting on that all these years. And however many times he did it, that guy's living with the fear that somebody's going to call his wife fucking do it i'm sure someone has that's the thing is like there's i don't see how she couldn't know because he was so like flagrant and bad with his cheating yeah um and the funny thing though is that like he and i are not un we don't talk but we're not entirely unfriendly like i mm. ran into him at a conference and after my husband was there yo years after yeah well, did like, you i don't even think that he i don't know that he even knows that how i feel about right. that night right um, did you see him immediately after that? What do you mean? Like, did you guys continue to have uh, a relationship after this night? No. You didn't see him? No, I told him that this couldn't continue, like on email. We we emailed about it. Um, and then you never ran into him again? No, I think I did. This is where it's getting hazy for me. I think I did because I still did TV stuff at this place where he was. So I did still run into him. Hmm. I didn't regard it as I was whatever language you want to use, taken advantage of. I didn't start looking at it that way until sometime after. Yeah. I just looked at it like, Oh my God, I'm, I can't, first of all, I absolutely can't drink. And, um, and I don't trust myself around men anymore. And like, I just need to put the brakes on my life in a major way. Right. It was like a huge thing for for me personally in terms of my own evolution and, and the changes in my behavior. Because I was like, I ev- everything spun out of control and I don't know who I am anymore. Mm. Um, which I think women who've been violated feel that way too, but I didn't look at it that way. Right. I was just so horrified by my own behavior. Well, when you think about like, porn actresses being the the other end of the spectrum where their bodies are separate from them. Mm. You know, there's just a dissonance between their soul and their body. Yeah. And so they can they can be violated without it feeling that way. Right. And then you have people that are very very catholic or in your case uh, very Jewish <laughs> and you you feel um you don't feel intact after something like that. Right. And and I so I don't know that rape again is not a black and white word because it's it's not just the aggressor, but it's also how does how does the victim process what happened? And in in some cases a woman being drunk and and agreeing that night but then later saying I was victimized is valid to her whether mm-hmm. or not it is in a court of law. She feels a right. violation. So if you feel a violation that's valid, and it's certainly a valid reason to stop drinking. Well, that and that's another thing in terms of blaming the victim, My, if, if I was the victim in that case, like in this situation, there was no case. But 
I had quit drinking, but I decided I'm going to have some drinks with him because it's like, it's so crazy. I, I wanted to give my, I, I wanted to play with fire, Mm. you know, right. If I didn't want to play with fire, I wouldn't have been in that situation at the same time. The part where I was playing with fire and then all of a sudden I got burned. That's the part that is like, what? How did that happen? Because I was so good at playing with fire. Did you see the playing with fire as something that was a symptom of something that was going on in you? You know what I'm saying? Like, like did I have a pattern where I played with fire? Is that what no, you No, but I mean, when I know as somebody who hasn't drank in a long time that when I feel like drinking, I know there's something I need to deal with inside. Like, was oh. there something at that time that you were acting out? That's a good question. Um, it was so... Like it was so recent that I had decided I needed to to quit drinking that I didn't have that kind of clarity yet. Right. Like now, if I wanted to get fucked up, I'd be like, "What is going on?" Yeah. Um. But at the time, it no, I, I didn't. And in retrospect, I don't know what it was. I was I was working through for all those years. You yeah. know. Um. I think this kind of a not understanding how dating works a discomfort with who I, I mean i was so susceptible to men paying attention to me in a way where all my friends i think recognize that like these m- men are not truly interested in you in the way that you want them to be interested in you this is none of this is going to turn into a relationship like i thought you could hook up with a guy I mean, sometimes you can't hook up with a guy and it turns into a relationship. But I thought these sort of cheap one night standy hookupy things, like that's how a guy lets you know he's interested in you. Yeah. I don't know. I somehow no one pulled pulled me aside and explained it. Or maybe it's a function of being an overweight girl. And at this point, I wasn't overweight, but I had a, the mind of an overweight person. It's like the um the smorgasbord of ways of of uh, kinds of attention men show you when you're overweight. Smorgasbord being an interesting word to choose when we're talking about being <laughs> overweight. <laughs> the buffet of the cock. all you can eat. Yeah. yeah, you don't get a lot of the good stuff. Yeah, you mostly get like, of course, and and also you're in this like, or I was like, but I am desperate for this attention because it makes me feel whole. Mm, right. <laughs> so I was not in any sort of discriminating. Do you think place. that you were that guys that you were hooking up with might have been? dating material had you not hooked up with them right away or you think you were only attracting guys that were that shallow both i think both um i think for the most part i was so into guys that came on really strong and it was only years later that i realized a guy who is interested in pursuing something with you won't come on in that strong, like I'm going to seduce the crap out of you right now way because he has something at stake as well. risk reward there. Right. Whereas like a married guy can profess his love for you and it'll just feel good because some part of you knows it's not real. Yeah. Because if someone, if it was real and someone was professing their love to you on the first night, that would you'd be pushed away by that like that would right. be a turn off yeah so i don't know i'm just so, glad all that's behind i'm just i feel so lucky that i ended up in a healthy marriage well you you know look you're an introspective person i think you're a strong person i think that you know those things in life are as horrible as they might be 
you know, people sometimes don't bottom out. Sometimes they experience something like you experience and they keep drinking. Yeah. They keep, you know, engaging with men on that level. And, uh, you know, you, you change from that. And you may not feel it sometimes. I know you don't always feel great about yourself. But sometimes you got to look back and say, you know, I made, I made lemonade out of lemons. Yes. Is that a horrible cliche to say? <laughs> I know what you mean. But you know, you you took you took adversity and you 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 it impacted your behavior. Right. And I mean that's what character is all about. Yeah. Well thank you very much, Greg Fitzsimmons. Yeah. yeah, at the time I didn't look at it that way. Thank you. A little better than putting a theme song in before. <laughs> at the time <laughs> at the time I was just like it was like I walked into a wall, you know, yeah. like, and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm certainly not walking forward anymore. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, in retrospect, I don't know. It's funny on my, on the Thursday version of my podcast, which is a panel, um, we've been reading our old journal entries, which is deeply mortifying. And, uh, I noticed in going back and reading mine, I really was desperately trying to figure out my relationship with men for yeah. like a lot, a lot of my journal was just overanalyzing things and, but not in that, like, I have a crush on him, here's what he said kind of way, as much as, like, why am I behaving this way? Right. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't about the guy. It was about you. After years of it being about the yeah, guy. right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I would tell you a, a, a rape story, but that would be, I would indict myself. You, you have know? one? No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I thought every man's a rapist. If, if I'm hearing you correctly... Every man's a Did rapist. Did I really? After a I beer. really said that. No. As soon as I said that, I went, "What the fuck?" No, I just. I guess I mean that every man has an id. Every guy is. You know, your primary function as a human is to reproduce. Right. So there's a drive in a man to put his penis in and ejaculate. Mm. So you know how how a, how a man deals with that energy is. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Like you know your 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 upbringing and your how your father modeled behavior and all that stuff. But every guy struggles with what's appropriate. Right. And I think what I was going to say before about the weak gazelle, <laughs> uh, watch, so watching Mr. Robot, watching this character be drunk and <clears throat> vulnerable seeming, reminded me of how when I used to drink, I really thought if I'm altered, then everyone else, I don't know, I didn't, it wasn't. I didn't think it through, but I didn't realize how altered I seemed. And I'm someone who like has a sip of beer and I begin to slur. Yeah. Not in a, not in a pretentious, like you went to England and now you have a British accent after two days way. I just mean, there are certain people who can drink and you barely notice it. Mm. And with me, like right away, you can tell that I'm a little. The gazelle started drifting. Yes. Right, right away. I mean, barely anything. And I'm like, my eyes aren't focusing as well. And I'm a little slurry. And I really thought no one on already. <laughs> I really thought no one would notice. I remember in college sitting on a bench, not being able to sit up straight, kind of swaying, talking to this guy, thinking he wouldn't notice. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, so come obvious. on. What is a party? I mean, guys throw parties to give women alcohol. Yeah. You know, that's where you meet women. You go to a bar where there's alcohol. I mean, it is. It is there to lower inhibitions on both ends. So, okay. It was very hard. Once I really stopped drinking, it was really hard for me to start to date again. Was yeah. it hard for you? Yes. I remember. I think I might have had sex sober for the first time in my life at the age of 24 whenever I quit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, 
It was weird. It was because it's a very intimate thing when you're sober. Yeah. You don't realize, like, you know, when you're drunk, you're in character. Like you said, you're able to let go and you can kind of become another person and that... Other and the person. other person can become another person easily as well. Yeah. yeah. By sorry, I don't mean I don't mean they can change character. I mean even if you're not that into the person, you can make yourself be into them if you're drunk. Right. And I remember uh, once I got sober having sex with drunk women and then being so into it that it turned me off because I realized like it wasn't me. They were yeah. just spinning into their own little fuck fantasy. Right. And it was like I was just the dick that they were sitting on that night. And it really was like it was a huge turnoff. Mm-hmm. And I think that that made me get a quality relationship because that even if the woman wasn't drunk, but like I dated one girl who uh, told me later that she was a sexaholic, like she was going to meetings. Is that what we call it? A sex, sexaholic? Sex addict. Sex addict. And she was going to meetings for it. And I remember like, yeah, she would come over and she would just take me. And I loved it, but it mm. did feel hollow right and and it was something that i just knew i couldn't pursue because i knew that the person i would talk to on the phone for hours she was a really smart chick was different than the one that would come over and just ride me and have like triple orgasms and then just leave it was like there was a there was like i talked to it with the porn stars it was like a disconnect between her soul and her body yeah it's sad mm, it is but probably really good sex it was unbelievable sex and it started, uh, I was dating somebody and we would talk on the phone and it would get really hot, but all double entendre, mm-hmm. all, un- you know, context. Girl? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just, it would get really sexy and just our voice tone was very, so then when I broke up with my girlfriend, it was like minutes later, I this was on the phone with her. Came over. In the rain on a bike wearing flip flops <laughs> in Manhattan. <laughs> I remember there was this guy that I was like intellectually interested in and we went out a few times and I was sitting next to him and we were sitting, he was, it was in a hotel room um, and I was sitting on the bed and I was sober and I was so physically uncomfortable, like awkward and I didn't know what to do with my body and I just wanted to leave and I was thinking, if I were drunk, I would be making out with him right now. And and you wouldn't be making out with him. You'd be making out with somebody. Yeah. But maybe, yeah, maybe it would have been. Well, no, maybe it would have been him, though, because like I said, I was sort of intellectually, I wanted right. to, I wanted right. to like, that's what it was. I wanted to like him, but my body was telling me that I didn't. Yeah. And I think that it was like sobriety was protecting me. And it just made me realize how many times in the past had I... Drank, did I drink to push through that natural discomfort? But I think that the sobriety allowed me to finally, you know, end up with someone that I truly like and truly want to be with because it became impossible to be phony sober. Yeah, I mean, well, it's very hard being in the comedy clubs all the time and even hanging out with some of my old friends that still drink a lot because it's the same script every night and you can't be sober and and continue to laugh that loud at those dumb jokes and to get into that false i love you man like and you see it they do it every friday and saturday night and it's like it erases itself the next morning and they go back to being their real self right and so you know it's uh it's it's very tough to have the clarity of of sobriety because you can't 
escape into a fantasy person. You got to be the same person all the time. Right. Right. Does your wife drink? We've probably not a lot. Not a lot. You know, she'll have like a margarita one and then she gets tired. She'll Mm -hmm. have one glass of wine. Right. If she has two, I definitely have sex for that night though. (laughs) Okay. I get turned on by it. You do. Oh yeah. Especially when she's a rapist. Out. Yeah. I shouldn't make I shouldn't toss that around. You that should. was just a callback. I don't think no, I should. I think you should because I don't think I should. Here's well, here's the thing. Memory is a very odd thing. I just read a book about it. And you know, we our past experiences, our hard drive can't possibly hold the whole video of what happens in any situation. So we grab pictures. Screen grabs. Screen grabs. <laughs> That's what you have. So you yeah. have screen grabs of that night. But you have a gut feeling that is right. Mm-hmm. But the screen grabs, they may not reflect accurately what happened that right. night. But I think that as a woman, to be able to own uh, not being completely powerless to what happened by joking about it, I think could be a strong thing. Okay. Well, thank you then. Now I have a question. You mentioned that you th- threw a move. Is that your term on your wife and she yeah. rebuffed you? Right. How does that go down? Um, I just hug her a little longer than I normally would. She knows immediately. You know, there's a little yeah. bit of a dog hump thing that happens. <laughs> that right. Hands may explore. And then it, and then I feel her go from a soft hug to tightening up and going, I got paperwork to do. I got whatever. And the thing is, is that, that in the old days, that just didn't happen. Like literally the Catholics say you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed and, to witch turn your husband down? Yes. And oh. you know, and there, and I know people, I've talked to people in comedy clubs that say, yeah, I've never said no to them. Like that that's their duty. And that's wrong. Thank but, you. I agree. But, <laughs> I agree with that wholeheartedly, but, but I feel a lot of guilt Turning forever. your husband down a lot is also bad because yeah. it's, 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 you know, it's taking something for granted. He's trying to show you affection. And the way you turn him down should be, oh, baby, you know, I, I'm into you too. But th- how about we do it? Pick a fucking time. Oh, that's good. But when you just shut him down again yeah. and again, it makes him start to get clumsy. Like when she turns me down a lot, I start to get not smooth. I lose my, I lose my, my mojo. What do you mean by clumsy? Like then it's not then I can't flow into fooling around in a way that I normally would and yes. be relaxed. I yeah, start to get that makes tense sense. about it, right? Because you don't know if you're going to get rebuffed. Right, again. Yeah. right. I think there's ways of rebuffing. Right, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, um, I think uh, give them a reschedule. You know what? Good. Throw them a handy. Grab yeah. some fucking lotion. What's it going to take? Six minutes? Because <laughs> a hand job, I'm going to focus. I'm going to work through it. I know right. you don't want to do this. If it's sex. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, there's waves of orgasms that came over, that come over you. Mm-hmm. And it's like surfing. You let, sometimes you let that wave flow under you and sometimes you paddle to grab it. Right. I'm paddling like a motherfucker on a hand job. But here's the question. What if you're getting, when you're getting a hand job, are you ever thinking, oh, come on, this could be a blow job? Or are you happy with the hand job? I'll take a handy. Really? Okay. Cause I'll take my, a foot job. And by the way, <laughs> Is that where she touches your penis with her foot? No, I'm kidding. That okay. Doesn't happen. Yeah, this is not Dan. This Daniel has never made me feel this way, but I, in general, feel like a hand job is like 
the lazy is like the laziest thing I could do. So therefore I don't do anything, <laughs> which is worse. Right. You know, I always feel like I'm not putting in like, you know, I could spruce this up probably. I don't know. I think you can make a hand job sexy. I think, All right. I think there's way if you do get some, you know, don't just don't bear back it and, and make eye contact if he wants it. If he doesn't, don't fucking look at him. Whatever it is, find <laughs> okay, out what never, he likes. He's never told me not to look at him. But, you know, find out what he likes. Do A little ball work's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, you can get down and blow on it without necessarily blowing him. A little, little breath on it is real nice. Taint strip, you're not going to get dirty back there. He's clean. Mm. He's, he's wiping front to back. He's like a real baby wipe fanatic. Yeah. So, yeah. Get down there. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah, because here's, here's TMI. Um, but... I enjoy TMI. Here's my hesitation. I had a UTI. How long ago? Um, like a month ago. Okay. And the treatment for uh, a UTI is, or what they gave me was amoxicillin. Yeah. Which is an antibiotic. Antibiotics cause yeast infections for not everyone, but it's a common cause of yeast infection. So two days later, got a little itchy. Yeah. Now, normally... An unpregnant woman can just take Diflucan, which is a pill, knocks it out so fast. However, as a pregnant person, you can't take Diflucan. You have to use Monistat, not Monistat 1 and not Monistat 3, but Monistat 7. Mm. Do you know what Monistat 7 is? No. It is a cream that comes in a tube, and then there's seven plastic applicators. So you shoot this cream into the applicator, and then you put it inside you, and... I had used it, I think, in high school when I I remember getting a yeast infection in high school because I would wear a leotard all the time. <laughs> it was my bodysuit. Um, but I didn't remember it burning. That shit burns. So I would, you, and you have to put it in at night because it leaks back out. Right. It's so, so deeply unpleasant. Yeah. So I would put it in and then like, it would begin to like intensely itch and burn. And I started <laughs> reading Amazon reviews and other women were talking about the, like it, it, someone had the best description of like, it was like Satan himself was in her vagina fighting the yeast infection. Wow. It's almost like you feel it just. That should be the ad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just but like a Lucifer so, character going into a cave. It's so deeply uncomfortable yeah. that I, and it's, you have to do it for seven nights. So anyway, ever since that horrendous experience, um, I am now kind of afraid to have sex because sex causes can cause a urinary tract infection. What about a condom? You see, are you saying the ejaculation causes it or the friction? No, it's the. I think it's your own oh, bacteria. Right. It can knock your own bacteria up your urethra from the friction. Yes. Got it. So, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, I can't, I cannot go through that whole experience again. Um, yeah. And, so I and don't know what to do. Meanwhile, you don't want to get, you don't want to ask him for oral because you got a, You got a lot going on down there. Not anymore. I mean, I'm all You're clear. You're clear? Yeah, I'm, I'm clear. Going clear? But vaginally. I still do have a lot going on down there because I just explained this on the Thursday show my hair is growing, like my nails are strong and long and my hair is growing faster. And about six hours after I shave, I feel like I need to shave again. Downtown. 
Yes. Um, I was, but un, my armpits feel so weird all the time now. And I don't know if that's just pregnancy weight gain or if that's like my breast tissue changing, which is pushing into my armpits. But also, it's like a cactus. I feel like I've, there's a cactus under my arms oh, and between my legs. God. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. I mean, but I don't think it really is. It's just the sensation is like. Well, I've because got a, you're more sensitive when you're pregnant. Everything, I guess so. Everything is more sensitive. I'm just I'm engorged and prickly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, you fun. can't. Men will never understand what women go through. That, that's. I mean, that is the thing about. I noticed a difference in my wife from pre and post pregnancy, and it wasn't just about the children. I think it was about the. Tra- it's a trauma being pregnant. You know, you're going through... Talk about not being in control of your body. Right. It's weird. And and I think that because a man can't possibly understand it all, you resent us. And that resentment doesn't ever fully go away. Unless you're maybe Alan Alda's wife. But very few guys would be that sensitive and emotive that the woman would feel completely supported. Right. Right. I love Alan Alda. The greatest. Yeah. Speaking of, he was just on Marin. That's great. (laughs) I know. It really is. Let's take some questions from listeners. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. First, I would like to make a couple quick announcements, which are, I'm on Patreon. Patreon is a great place to go support people. artists that you're into and there's all sorts of rewards and bonus content it's like a monthly subscription there's different levels that you can choose That's- people subscribe to your podcast no they subscribe to your patreon it's, it's like kickstarter but it's right. ongoing right. so um you can like donate a dollar a month two dollars a month five dollars ten tw- it goes up how much money have you made um i have i've i've Thus far, I think I've only made about six hundred dollars because that's what I've only I'm freshly on it. Right. Um. But my ra- I'm up to about twelve hundred dollars a month of of. Uh, oh, you only get half. No, you get no, no, no. You you get they take five percent. Oh, think. that's pretty. No, fair. but what I mean is like from the f- it, they charge they um pay you monthly. Oh. So it was at six hundred the first time I got paid in one month. Yes. That's great. And then in the next month, because more people signed up, it'll be like 1200 Yeah, it's cool. I'm definitely working for it. I um, There's an activity feed that I post on all the time that you have to be a, if you are a subscriber or it's like a, a, a patron actually is what they are. If you're a patron, then you have access to the activity feed and there's bonus content and there's a bonus episode a month at a certain level. And then there's going to be an exclusive live stream. And then there's like wow. fan club packages. Yeah. So we're working for That's it. That's a commitment. That's but why it's worth I was, it. If people like you, they're getting uh, different sides of you. And I was very hesitant to do it because I did not want to bungle the rewards yeah. and it seemed really daunting yeah. um, and overwhelming. And I, took a long time to figure out what the rewards would be and what I could handle. Um, what I didn't expect was that I actually have a ton of fun doing it because you're interacting with people who are super, they're so into you that they want to be part of this. Yeah. So it's like your core, super hardcore core fans are the ones you're interacting with. And that feels good. There was and an article fun. that I read a while ago called 1000 true fans or something. And there's this whole theory this guy has about um, 
not necessarily even entertainment, but for artists or whatever, if you can find 1,000 people that really care about you and will follow you, you can make a living, you know, and they can feel connected to you. And, uh, you know, and it gets to a point where if there's too many, they're not feeling that connection anymore. Right. But there's a sweet spot. Yeah. And it sounds like this is exactly it. This is a way of like creating a community and uh, letting them feel that you care about them, mm. which it sounds like you do. And uh, and letting them, when they give to you, they want to. Right. That's, yeah, that's the thing is I think I felt guilt over it at the beginning of like, I can't expect someone to do this. But the feedback I get is that it's like well worth it. Right. Because it's it's a lot of personal attention and access from me. Right. And I'm loving it. Um, also, my podcast is going to be at LA Podcast Festival September 24th at noon, which is early. So please come out because I need more people there to because I'm worried that people aren't going to show up because it's early. Although a fair amount have already said they will. Um, but if you can't make it in person, you can get a ticket to the live stream. You get access to view the entire festival. Uh, go to LAPodfest.com, LAPodfest.com, and use the promo code ROSEN, and you get a discount. Also, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the Amazon banner on my website. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you so much for your Amazon support. Okay. Oh, Can I throw out some dates? Yes, we usually, or do yes. you do that at the end? I do it at the end. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. It's just some podcasts you do, they forget to do it entirely. Right. Let's do it now. Are you sure? Yeah. Do it now. I'm going to be in, uh, uh, where am I going? West Palm Beach, Florida. Wow. That's going to be fun. Uh, West Palm Beach, Florida in, um, I'm, no, Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> September 1st. <laughs> September 1 through 4, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And then they're going to be in Hilarities in Cleveland, September 8th through the 10th. And then I'm going to be coming to uh, Calgary, Yuck Yucks, September 21 through 24. All dates at fitzdog.com. Great. Exciting places. Which are you most excited about? Calgary, Yuck Yucks? I think so. Have you been to Calgary before? I've been to Edmonton, which is close to it. But Calgary, I'm a big hockey fan, as we were talking about before. And, you know, it's just going to be exciting to, uh, I think that they have their Hockey Hall of Fame is in Calgary. And so I'll check that out. And um, also you sell a lot of DVDs because that's oil money. It's like Texas. Mm -hmm. It's like when Texas was booming, they got all the oil shells there. These dudes are in the fields for like a month straight and then they come to town for the weekend nice. and they got pockets full of cash and they buy your DVD like fucking crazy. I could sell like a hundred in a weekend. Wow. Yeah. And that's all cash. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Fuck yeah. When you go to Canada, do you Oh, it's say- Canadian money though. Oh. Yeah. Do you say you're going there for vacation? No, I say business. You do? Yeah, it's not as big. It used to be a big deal. Now it's not. Yeah, because I, I did a show in Canada, a TV show in Canada and there was this whole thing of like it's an honorarium, the like the whole rules about how. Yeah, to they get used to tell me to do that, but now now they withhold a lot of taxes though. Hmm. But you know, it's worth it. I like those Canadian people. Ray Morgan says, "Does he consider himself a Boston guy or an NYC guy?" Um, I got to say honestly, I, I'm proud to say I'm a Boston comedian, even though I did I only did about three years in Boston. Those were the most formative times for me, watching guys that. People have never heard of like Don Gavin and Steve Sweeney and Kenny Rogerson, guy Mike Donovan, guys that were just really original voices, ballsy. I think they they gave me the um, the prototype of of saying 
what I wanted, how I wanted, and not caring what the audience thought. And I came out, you know, I came up at the same time as like Bill Burr and Louis C.K. and Joe Rogan. And I think all of us got a huge boost out of that. And then I went to New York and I, you know, and that was where I did the bulk of my growing. Um, but I would have to say my, you know, the, the clay was, was formed in Boston. Mm. Um, I'm fr- I should say I'm from New York. I think of you as Boston guy. I, well, it's I went funny. to college in Boston. Yeah. That's where I started doing stand up. But I, you know, Bronx born, and uh, you got that scrappy Boston thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that Irish Catholics in Boston. But if you go to the Bronx, you'll see, you'll think you're in Boston. Yeah, I've actually never been to Boston. I need to go. Oh my god, I need to go. Do a live podcast from Boston. You'll that have would such be great. a blast. That would be great. I should do that. And let me say also. Some of the best traveling we did was when Owen was in his first year. Because, really? Okay. Yeah, you know they breastfeed and they they're easy. You throw you they put him you put him in your lap on the plane. You don't have to buy an extra mm-hmm. ticket, and they sleep in bed with you wherever you go. Just have the baby sleep in bed with you. Travel a lot. You will love it. Okay. Yeah, I actually there's been trips. Well, you know what? All the Zika places that I can't oh, go now. Right. I would like to go to all of them. I'm like, we'll just okay. do it when the baby's born. Yeah. Uh, okay. Carol says, do you advise meds for ADHD kids only on school days or every day? Only on school days. Like I take, uh, I have my patch on today. Um, didn't wear it yesterday. I don't wear it on the weekends. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel addicted to it. Like I don't feel like I went on vacation to Italy for two weeks. I didn't take it once for two weeks and I'd never felt like a withdrawal and, you know, um, so yeah. How was your Italy vacation? It was fantastic. It's just, you know, being an American and it's, people go, oh, I want I want to move there now. It's not because there's obviously the beautiful architecture and all that. It's just the people are so fucking different. They're so in the moment, so alive. This guy was walking down the street and he was on his cell phone and he was getting in a really heated discussion on his cell phone. Mm. So he stopped, put his briefcase down <laughs> so he could pinch his fingers together and move them up and down. <laughs> <laughs> where in italy did you go rome and uh the amalfi coast nice yeah okay jamal says what advice would you give about raising a boy Ooh, typical I want to black question <laughs> um i would say stick around jamal don't disappear <laughs> on him um i would say there's a book called the dangerous book for boys which is really great it's um it's written by a british guy but it's just all the things that are that society today wouldn't necessarily encourage you to do because they're a little bit, you know, mothers don't like these things. Fathers do. And I actually wrote a bunch of essays about it. If you go to parent.co, I wrote a series of essays on dangerous book for boys, but, um, we built a go-kart together that we, you know, I, and I had never used power tools before. I had no idea what I was doing. And so we went to home Depot, we bought tools and wood and just went really slow, figured it out together. And then I put all, and then I put all of his, rollerblading equipment on and we went to a hill in <laughs> venice the biggest hill in venice right and we went down and the cart flipped and we both got cut up and oh, geez. it was fucking great oh, boy. so take take some chances scars he's got a couple scars scars are great for boys i'm having a boy and i am nervous about all of this stuff not the like scars and all that although i am nervous about it more just like i don't know how to to raise a boy like i don't know how to turn him into a man and daniel's like well that's my job right no his job is to stop you from making him a pussy and i'm afraid that left to my own devices that's what i'll do well you will yeah and that's your job and you can't not do that but his job is definitely 
there's the anima and the animus, and they have to both be represented. Yeah. Which one am I? Animus, anima. right? Anima. Okay. Uh, You're more like an enema. Like <laughs> yeast infections. <laughs> Kenneth Kelly says, biggest career regret? 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 Regret. <laughs> Not taking enunciation classes. <laughs> Biggest career regret. <laughs> the one that got away, question mark. <laughs> um, regret? I don't think you can have regret. I mean, you, as you know, you have so many decisions that you make in the course of your career. Mm. And you say no to a lot of things. You say yes to a lot of things. And who the fuck knows? There's things that I did under protest that ended up being the best things I've ever done. And uh, and then there's the allocation of time to me is the, is the toughest thing is like, should I have just written, you know, because I think I could have been a successful writer in the sense of becoming like a real showrunner who, mm-hmm. or could I have been a better comedian if I didn't go to acting school for two years in New York and did. Right. So, but, you know, I think that it sounds really corny, but it's like you're just the sum total of all your actions and decisions. And, you know, I, I don't know that. I mean, there's things that I wish had continued. Like there was this one game show that I hosted on MTV called Idiot Savants. And it was really silly. But we had so much fun and I thought it was a quality show. And I, I think that's the one thing I wish had continued. Because mm-hmm. you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And it was uh, it was great exposure. When you're on an MTV show, I bet, yeah. it's just like everybody recognizes you. And it's, and it's like, you know, every network wants to develop with you. It's like, it's like you're, you're hot when mm. you're on MTV. This is a personal question. Have you or do you have a writing partner? And no. It, have you ever? No. Okay. Yeah, I've been wondering lately about how people find those relationships and what it even, like, so here's what happened. And I think it's a pregnancy thing. All of a sudden, I like had this complete downward career spiral of like, what am I doing? I'm a fraud. I'm a failure. I'm like, I haven't, you know, I think it's that sort of that moment of reckoning of like, I may lose my career ambition for a while after the baby comes. Have I done enough? Mm. Have I, you know? Um, And then I was emailing with my manager and I was saying that sometimes I feel like I should be doing. Etai? Yes, the one. Sometimes I feel like I should have gone into stand up because then people would know how to categorize me mm, better. Like, I feel right. like there's plenty of things that I'd be good at that are given to stand ups, but people don't think of me in that way because um, I don't do stand up, although I have, but not in years. And I, by the way, I don't love it. Um, well, you just answered your question. It's not, you can't. I know. You have to be passionate about right. stand-up, and nothing can be a close second. Yeah. Or it just doesn't That's add That's so up. not me. The right. last time I did it, I was like, I can't wait till 10 o'clock, because then this whole thing will be over. Right. Um, so, he, so he said, I think you should focus on writing, not stand-up, because um, stand-up is a grind, and you can spend a few months writing something, and it can change everything. Mm. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like taking suggestions i was in the mindset where i'm like he just said that i should do that i should do that even though it's not bad advice or anything but i'm just saying the fact that i was like yes a thousand percent this is what i have to do um but i don't and i know that it's supposed to be easy to master but like i don't know script format i don't know that marketplace i don't know any of that so that's what i'm like i gotta maybe i need a writing partner but then he was like no you can do it on your own which is probably true you'll make half the money if you get a writing partner yeah fuck that I mean, it's it would really and, just, and a lot of shows hire uh, writing partners. Like I, I know a, a friend who's got a sitcom right now, and there are fourteen writers 
because they hire so many partners. Right. Because they pay half for these guys. So um, let me tell you a story. Okay. And it's, this is about the guy I'm talking about, uh, Mike Gibbons, who you've met. Yes. He uh, he had written on late night shows, worked his way up to being a show creator. He created Tosh.0. He created George Lopez show, um, The Burn with Jeffrey Ross, mm-hmm. like millions of shows he created. Very successful. Right. Um, the James Coke, uh, Corden Cor- show. He's, he was the head writer on that. And so um, he had an idea for a sitcom. And he went in, never written on a sitcom in his life, pitched it to CBS. They said, great. They bought a script, so he wrote a script. They said, great, we're going to shoot a pilot. Shot the pilot, um, ordered it to series. It's now on after, uh, uh, what's the geek show? Big Big Bang Theory. Wow. Best spot on TV. Yeah. He is the creator, showrunner of this show with wow. Joel McHale on it. So it doesn't matter if you know the format. It matters that you've got a fresh take. The idea, yeah. He had a funny idea. He's a funny guy, what and he believed show? in himself. What is the show? Do you know? It's called The Great Indoors, and it's just about a guy, Joel McHale, who used to be out there in, right. the, uh, in the travel world, reporting from exotic places, and then they went all digital. Budget got cut, and now he's in the office with a bunch of millennials trying to get along with them. Oh, I think I know someone who might have been a writer on that. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, well, that's an inspiring story. Right. I, I It really... People get so caught I up know. in, you know, I didn't get coffee for people and learn by being a writer's assistant. I didn't, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you believe you're funny and you've got, because the closer you stay to your vision, mm-hmm. the better the product is going to be. Yeah. And a lot of times when you've done all those things, you lose your vision and you, right, you get you're too just collaborative. Trying, and also at that point, you're just trying to figure out what's going to hit. Right. You're not even right, staying right. true to like what yes. it is that you want to say or the story you want to tell. Uh, Tell your story, Allison. I'm going to sing it. Michelle Watson says, my wife and I didn't have our son circumcised. I know Rogan and Stern are against circumcision. Your thoughts? It's genital mutilation. It's plain and simple. There's no, the American Medical Association no longer recommends it. Uh, A lot of insurance companies are no longer covering it. Oh, really? It's plastic surgery. Yeah. I mean, they're... I didn't know insurance companies aren't covering it. Yeah. If you live in a first world country with soap and water... Yeah, you don't need it. You don't need it. And, you know, there there actually is some dangers to it. So, you know, b- besides the fact that who knows what kind of subconscious, you know, trauma it I causes know. in a baby. I mean, I don't necessarily think that that's true. But I do know that when we had our son, we'd had a C-section. And the last thing we were going to do, and I, we were not completely sold on it. We might have even done it, but she had a C-section. We were so done with scissors and surgery right. That we just didn't do it. And it's one of the best decisions we've ever made. Does your son ever feel different? Never talk to him about his cock. <laughs> Maybe that's good. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm pretty anti-circumcision. And I actually was, I wanted to Google this, but it's like there's only so much baby penis Googling you can do, you know? Before but you get on a list? Yeah. I'm just curious... At this point, what percentage of ba- of male babies in this country are circumcised? Like, is it is it still more common to circumcise than not? I believe it's still more common to circumcise, but I think the numbers have really shifted yeah. a lot. And part of that is I don't believe Latino kids circumcise, and there's a lot more Latino kids in the country. Mm-hmm. Kyle says he seems so ashamed by his Prius that he's driving now. Has he ever owned a luxury performance car? 
You know, I had a I had a, a Volkswagen Passat. It was a V6 with a Tektronix shifter, and I'd put that up against a BMW, like a, th- a three series BMW. Like it's fast, handles beautifully. I loved that car, and I can't even remember why I got rid of it. I think it just was old enough that I was starting to think, oh, everything's going to start to fall apart. And I got the Prius, and I fucking hate it. The cabin is so loud, you can't really listen to music when you're on the highway. It's bumpy. You feel every – you got to really go slow over speed bumps. And uh, and I don't like how it makes me feel. And, and you know, I've been – I wanted to get, a like, a Mustang, and then my kids started getting – older and i start thinking about college more realistically and i just every expenditure now i just feel guilty about and i can't go out and buy a sports car without feeling like that's coming out of their freshman year tuition but do you think that there's a car you could get instead of the prius that you wouldn't feel guilty about but that you might enjoy driving more no it's either mustang or prius okay there you go uh let's see shira myers says what shira myers She's the best. She's the best, right? She writes Love all her. the yes. time, nice things. She's so great. Hi, Shira. She's she's actually been really helpful in terms of putting my my mind to rest about a lot of baby things too. Good. Yeah. Um she says, What show are you going to be on as a cop? Can we look forward to more acting roles for him and a new special? I will be on a TV show on Netflix that is called um uh santa clarita diet with drew barrymore and uh, it's an extremely small part and i don't know that it will lead to other parts but i have put a call into my agent saying you know what i really had a blast let's let's pursue this more Mm -hmm. but the truth is um my best bet is developing my own show because i'm not i can't go up against a guy who's an actor Mm -hmm. you know if i go into an audition room and there's there's 15 guys that are actors. That's all they think about. Right. I'm not going to get that part. I play me pretty well. That's about it. <laughs> How did this role come to you? Uh, it was an executive from HBO. I used to write on Lucky Louie, Louis C.K.'s mm-hmm. sitcom. And uh, she was the HBO executive at the time. And she left and she's producing this show. And she thought I was right for the part. Didn't have to audition or I wouldn't nice. have gotten it. And uh, I got called in. There you go. Um, let's... Do just mirror everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right, Best Friends Fan Cast, which is the podcast dedicated to this podcast. No. Yes. Wow. Marin doesn't have that, does he? That's awesome. <laughs> he doesn't have anything like that. <laughs> Holy shit. It's very, it's very, very sweet and flattering. Um, okay. Both wearing shoots, which are shoe boots, or no, they're short boots. Yeah, same thing. Uh, and squared manicures makes hands and feet look like pig hooves. And there's a couple pictures here. And I thought of this one for you, Gray Fitzsimmons, because I think that you have an issue with French manicures, right? I don't like them. I feel like um, you're... It's a square, a square peg in a round hole. Mm. You know, a toenail is rounded and it has a natural white line at the tip. Right. That is based on, I think, the oxygen hitting the nail. And uh, when you paint it on, it just, it to me, it is looks... Is it like your toes in drag? 
Yeah, it's like a Mikado mask or something. <laughs> so, no, I think it's totally unnecessary. I think it shows that a woman is trying too hard. Yeah, they are kind of like the universal trying too hard nails. Yeah. Um, the shoe boot. I, f- I thought that came and went. I thought that... Because well, it was the sort of Roman sh- sandal thing. Right, gladiator sandals. The gla- I, like, yeah, those so came and went, and then all of a sudden, these came back, and these seem to me like these a version of that. open-toed short boots is what we're looking at. Yeah, and if you're going to open-toe, open the fucking toe. Don't show me one toe. I can't <laughs> gauge. I need to know about the curvature of the tips of the toes together as a right, whole. Right, I need to see how you work from a healthy, elongated pinky toe to uh, toes that none of them are sticking out, like they're giving you the finger, mm-hmm. but there's a smoothness to it. Right. If you just show me the big toe, it just looks big. Yeah. It looks enormous. Right. You need perspective. Right. You need the whole integrity of the toe. Don't tease me. Of the foot. Bruised by Dawn says, when I vacuum, I think I hear the phone ringing, but it's not. I think that's common. Mm. I don't know why, but something about uh, the pitch of the vacuum. We have a maid. How nice for you. Sometimes her phone rings. She goes to get it. I go, put that fucking phone down. <laughs> Carpet's dusty. How often? How often does she come? Just every two weeks. Okay. She used to come every week, and then we moved to a bigger house, and she wanted more money. And I said, "I'll give you the same money, but just come every other week." So now she sweats her tits off every other week, <laughs> going up and down the stairs. We used to live in a one-floor home. Mm-hmm. Now it's a three-story home. Three stories. No, it's just two. Oh, okay. It's funny, that extra story really is like, oh, wow, you are living large. If well, you three. especially in L.A., nobody yeah. has three stories no. in L.A. San Francisco, I think you have to have three. Yeah, because of the earthquakes. You want to get maximum death. Right. James Leroy Wilson says, oh, no, sorry. Becky says something, and then James Leroy Wilson retweeted it because he assessed that it was a JMO. This is a just me or everyone, although I don't think she intentionally meant it to be. But anyway, ever have one of those days where you keep checking to see if you forgot to put on a significant article of clothing? I yes. Have... Oh, oh, this is for you. No, no, no. I, well, it's for both of us. Oh. I'm just saying, yeah. I Oftentimes I'm like, oh, did I forget to put on something? I have a recurring nightmare that I'm out in the street in a t-shirt and no underwear or pants. Constantly have that. Part of it is that's how I sleep. Yeah. But- when I, I have severe ADHD, you have to see me leave the house. And not just at the beginning of the day. Every time I leave the house, I circle it about three times mm. and I check my pockets. I have a list in my head of phone, wallet, keys, and I just keep going through it. And yeah, no, it's psychotic. And and not because I'm OCD, because I will forget something if I don't go through all that. Right. Huh. This dream, does it change ever? Like, do, do elements of it change? Or is it the exact It's always same? familiar places that I'm in, whether it's a comedy club or, um, you know, friends' houses, and, I'm, and I feel breeze on my ass, and that's when I realize that I don't have anything on, and then I have to try to get home on, like, a bus. Oh, There's God. always, like, some public transportation yeah. involved. Are, do, are people noticing it? No. Interesting. Darla Dietz says... A lot of times when I yell, I feel like I'm doing an inadvertent Seinfeld impression. I mean, I don't have that specifically, but I know what you mean. Like, well, he's always sort of yelly. Yeah, I I think when you see comedians act, they tend to yell because um, 
they don't understand they don't have to play to the whole room now mm-hmm. that there's a microphone on them and they can talk good actors you see really small Meryl Streep is always talking like oh this oh my god my She's daughter so fucking loves her started with Mamma Mia really because it's all the ABBA songs and then Devil Wears Prada she mm-hmm. loves Meryl Streep that's so cute by the way not to do with anything but uh, watch that Bob Marley what's movie. it called do you know I think it's just called Marley. Okay. I will. Robert says, just me or every guy, use your pee like a pressure washer to clean the scum that forms around the bottom of the toilet bowl. Of course. Everyone does that? Every guy? I mean, how do you not do something with it? You know, you have to have, it's a stream. It's a hard stream that you literally can control you're holding like a remote for where that pee hits. <laughs> yeah. And you can push harder once you get, once you line up the target, you can push harder. Like if there's a little piece of poop on the side, you can, <laughs> you can remove that and feel like you've accomplished something while you peed. But if you push too hard, sometimes it'll split and it'll, you'll go, you can, it can jump split the into two streams and it'll jump the rim. Oh boy. Yeah. So you can't push too hard. Now, in terms of removing a little piece of poop, Theoretically, that was from an earlier bathroom floor. It's got to be recent. Right. No, I'm just wondering, like, do you ever take a shit and then pee? Or is it usually the other way around? I don't think you can shit without peeing. I don't think you could hold your urethra while you released your anus. <laughs> Jeff looks deeply it's contemplative. It's almost like... Yeah, I'm, I'm like walking... I'm mentally walking through the physical machinations of that. Because you can pee while holding in a poop. But of course. I, I, I can't picture a scenario where you would do the opposite. Right. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think it's physically not possible. In general, when it do would you be just... difficult. It would be like a yogi thing. Like you would have right. to study for years. Yes. Tantra. Yeah, Tantra. Yeah. And, and Well, I think and it's also whether or not you, your mind is... Like, can you... Can you touch your, would pat your head and rub your stomach in a circle? Like some people can do things like that. I bet drummers are really good at it. Right. I bet a drummer can drop a a, deuce, a dry deuce, they call it. (laughs) So a typical bathroom excursion that involves number two, you're peeing sitting down. Just doing it all at the same time? Yeah, you sit down, you pee for a little bit. Oh, I see. And then you, you drop one. Pee a little bit more, <laughs> drop another one, and then you finish it out. A little more pee. Do you ever have a dry deuce because you didn't have to pee? Or there's always a little bit that comes out? Only if I peed not realizing I had to deuce, finish the pee, throw a flush on it because there's a drought and I'm not going to shit into the pee-filled bowl. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then, then I can, obviously it'll be dry. Okay. Glad we got to the bottom of this. Jeff, do you agree with Literally. all this? Literally. I concur. I concur 100%. But I think that the experiment of can you poop while holding in a pee, this is something that every guy listening, including you and me, we could try this tomorrow. I mean, there's no risk to it because you're right. on the toilet. So if something goofy happens, there's no mess. <laughs> right. But I think this is something we could all try. Just to- do you? Can you take calls on your show? Because I'll call in. Oh, yeah. I mean, we never have, but for you, we will. <laughs> all right. Let me call in. The next show you do. Okay. And update Report you. Report back. Yeah. Thank you very and much. And Jeff, you do the same. Yeah. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> um, wonderful. 
Sarah says, and this is the last one, more often than not, my phone dies at home over dying while out and about. Yes, me too. My phone rarely dies when I'm out because I've charged it while I was driving, mm. whereas at home I play fast and loose and I don't like to go have to charge it. So I just wait till it is like on 1% and then mm. I'll go charge. I, there's nothing worse than you're like on an important call and you hear, woo, that little woo sound. Mm. Um, no, mine dies all the time while I'm out and I need one of these. You've got the, uh, the charger, the backup charger yes. for that exact, that is a, um, a go-go. What is that thing called? I think they're called power banks. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. There's uh, a company called Anchor, A-N-K-E-R. You can get them on Amazon. They make the best ones. And do you put AA batteries in here or you charge it? No, Charge it. it. Yeah. You charge it, it on your computer? It is a battery, so you can charge it on your computer with a wall plug, anything. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's another one that's actually like a uh, phone cover that mm-hmm. has a battery is on it. That, that like thing a Mophie? lasts. There's something called something like a Mophie. Yeah, I forget, but a friend of mine has that where it, it's built onto your phone and basically the back cover of it is a battery. And, and it's, it's just, like four or five hour battery. Yeah, it's just there all yeah, the time. Yeah. Right. And when you charge your phone, you charge both at the same time. I would get that because I like a little weight on my phone anyway. Yeah, it's interesting the way phones got too small and then they started going in the, they started embiggening. I think they're too big. I can't, I prefer the old phone. I got the iPhone 6. And uh, yeah. I can't reach the top. And I know you double top, right. double tap the round thing. It comes down. But still, I'm finding I'm reaching and making mistakes. The other one really fit in my hand. Yeah, I kind of missed the back iPhone 5. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if this is relatable to everyone. Probably not to Android people. Jeff, did you tune out? No, actually, I upgraded my phone and I got one that was too big. I got talked into one that was too big, and I messed around with it in the store. And I was like, "Oh, this isn't too bad." And mm-hmm. I actually returned it and went back and got a smaller phone. You did, because, yeah. It's just you're just chasing too much stuff on the right. screen, and then it doesn't fit in your pocket. And yeah, there's such a thing. As- and it depends on how much you do on your phone. I don't play yeah. video games. I don't yeah. watch TV shows. I use mine to call people, check my texts. You know, stuff that how quaint. <laughs> it is quaint. You know, I don't. Um, I read. I'm not on my phone very much. Yeah. Greg Fitzsimmons, it was so nice no, having No, it's not you. over. It is. I oh. mean, it doesn't have to be if there's if there's something you want to talk yeah. about, but it's that it's kind of that time. Okay. You guys, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen, show's Twitter feed at A R I Y M B F. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And now, do we want to settle the how many Allison appearances have there been on Fitz Dog Radio? Do we want to settle this on air or save this for another time? Oh, do you know? Oh, no. Now, let's let's find out. Oh, now, yeah. Let, let's reset for the listeners. Allison. I believe I've been on like twice or three times. Greg thinks I've been on at least five. If I'm correct, I will be drinking my what have you out of a tremendous Fitz Dog mug. Fixed dog radio mug. Fixed dog radio mug. Less meaning if it's five or more, I get an Allison Rosen is is your your best best friend friend t-shirt. Correct. And And if if it's less than five, I get a mug. You get a mug. Four times. No! We're both wrong now. We're both wrong. That's true. I do not remember four times. Yeah. Can we make it five? You were on not too long ago, right? It was not too long ago. Well, let's do it again. I would. Lo- I think it was, you know, it was before I did Rogan. It was probably like very beginning of May. Oh, then let's do another one very soon. I would love. I don't to want do to that. step on your podcast. You won't. But why don't we say like uh, three weeks? That is 
that'd be perfect. Yeah, you won't step on mine because I'm planning on releasing this really soon. Okay, good. Okay. Excellent. Perfect. Yay. And I my, knew oh, my I was following right. is at Greg Fitzgerald. I was just verified. 80,000 followers. I couldn't get verified. How, what did and they you, finally did. What did you do to get verified? Now, make no mistake. I am verified, but I don't know how it happened. I tried every... I had so many people asking, and then this one guy online, and his name is Shuli Stern, hmm. S-H-U-L-I, reached I've out to me, and he guy. said, I'm the guy. I'm the Twitter whisperer, and he just asked me a ton of questions. Next thing I knew, I was verified. What questions? <laughs> oh, um, by, I had to send him bios and IMDB pages and my Jeez. website. And all, it's like all, getting into the Soho house. Yeah, yeah. It was tough. So, well, congratulations. Uh, thank you. And Fitz Dog Radio is the podcast. Please check that out. And uh, I, I thank you so much. I love coming on here. Thank You're you so much. That's why we should do a podcast together, maybe. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 